Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Goddess Diaries with your host, Dom Champagne. Come explore what it means to be a modern woman who dares to remember her sacred self. everybody, this is Dawn with the Goddess Diaries, and I invite you to check out my blog, thegoddessdiaries.org, if you haven't already done so, and download your three free goddess gifts when you sign up for my newsletter. You can think of it as a toolkit to help you unleash your inner goddess and dare to remember your sacred self. Again, you can find that at www.thegoddessdiaries.org or click on the link here at the description page and get yourself signed up. (laughs) So I'm back from vacation. I went away for a couple of weeks overseas to Ireland. It was so amazing. Um, But while I was gone, I hope you had a chance to listen to the last two episodes of the Goddess Diaries radio These were interviews with some pretty amazing women. First, there was uh, real goddess Z Budapest, who, as many of you who listen to this show know, she is the founder of the modern women's spirituality movement and just an amazing soul. Um, She's done so much to advance women's spirituality and what she has to talk about, it's actually a two-part interview series, so I hope that you can check out both parts, because she goes deep into some really controversial topics, and including um, the fact that she blessed a man, one of the Koreets, into the Dionic tradition last year, and it's uh, raised all kinds of controversy, but she shares with us her reasons for doing so, and it's a really good interview, so I hope you got to listen to that. Um, but also my friend and mentor, the Reverend Paulette Esposito, who is a master success coach, and she was sharing some of her tips and tricks um, for discovering success on your own terms. So if you didn't get a chance to listen, please check them out, of course, after this episode, because I have a lot of juicy tidbits for you and (laughs) amazing stories to share with you in this particular episode. So let's continue on, shall we? (laughs) So as I mentioned, I went away. I was on vacation in Ireland for a couple of weeks and had a really good time um, visiting. This isn't my first time there. It happens to be a place that I go to often and I really enjoy going to. And I just want to say that Ireland is a very magical place filled with mythology and story and I think part of the hospitality or part of the magic is actually the hospitality of its people. I don't think um, you've ever experienced hospitality until you get over to the Emerald Isle. Seriously, they do not call it the land of a thousand welcomes for no reason. (laughs) The people are absolutely warm and friendly. And even for an introvert like me, um, when too much socializing can be really overwhelming. I have to say that I've always felt very welcome there and very appreciative of the care and the hospitality that they shower on us. I just love going there so much. Um, But this time when we were there, my fiance, 
shared a little bit about what he knows of Irish mythology. Part of the reason why we go there so often is because that's where he's from. He grew up there, and his whole family lives back there. And so it's always a treat to get to go and visit family and listen to a few new tales here and there. Um, so Barry, my fiancé, shared a couple of of Irish myths and a few things that he heard while he was growing up. And it really impressed upon me this time for some reason. It, it impressed upon me the importance of storytelling to the Irish culture. Storytelling and hospitality, and I think that's why the the little Emerald Isle is such a magical place and evokes such mystery and magic in the minds and the hearts of many of us here in America. (laughs) Um, But I also think that it's why, you know, all of this combined is why their stories were able to survive. You know, um, it's, it's very much a part of their culture, their everyday life, um, because they're so warm and they're so willing to share stories and, You know, we know that without story, there's no meaning. And I think that also, you know, the Irish, I guess, ancient, in ancient Ireland, they were so connected to their land. Um, It was so much a part of who they were. And what's funny now is that that connection has carried through into modern times so that no matter where you go, whether you see, you know, a little stack of rocks here or a grove of trees on top of a hill over there or the, the way that a river twists and winds, there's a story for it. Everything has a story. Everything. I'm not joking. All of it. It all has a story. And here's something really interesting. While we were there, um, I got to see an old Irish banknote, a couple of them actually. Um, the banknotes were from before the time that Ireland joined the Eurozone, which now uses, as you may know, the Euro for currency. But the old Irish banknotes have on them, uh, they depict historical figures. For instance, on, I can't remember what the denomination was, but on one of them there was um, writers like W.B. Yeats and Jonathan Swift. But the one that really stood out to me, that really struck a chord in my heart, of course, was the one-pound note, which features, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> this is I'm quoting here, it says, the legendary Queen Maeve of Connacht of Irish mythology. So here on their banknote, they have an historical, quote-unquote, historical figure, of the Queen Maze. And what I discovered and why this is so remarkable to me, it's remarkable for many reasons, but one of the reasons is that there are a lot of stories about Queen Maze who happen to be named after the sovereignty goddess Maze. But the interesting thing really to me is that there seems to be no tangible proof whatsoever that there ever was a Queen Maze. And that her story, like many Irish myths, was told as a way to describe the lay of the land. So again, we get back to that connection to the land. 
See, in researching her story, Queen Maeve, I've discovered an interesting thing about the linguistics of the word sovereignty itself. When you hear the term sovereignty goddess, um, from at least for me personally, I, I always used to, it conjured images of a queen-like goddess, you know, someone who reigned, who ruled, um, who ruled the land, of course. But sovereignty used in this way, it's not so much about being a ruler or a queen, but it's more about describing the collective expression of the land. And that makes total sense to me when I think about what I do know about the 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 rituals in which the ancient Celts in Ireland would initiate their kings into being. They'd have to go through these elaborate land rituals that would tie them that would that would literally tie them to the land. Um and they were fertility rituals that they had to prove their worth as a ruler, not only as a righteous king or someone who, who would do good by the people, but would also protect the land. And so what was interesting to me was that depending on the particular story, Maeve, the queen Maeve, um, married between five and nine different men. Um, some stories say there were five, some say there were seven, some say there were nine. Um, but anyway, all these, these different men to make them kings. Because it was said that in order for them to become a king, they had to be married to Maeve, or in other words, married to the land. So I just thought that was really interesting, and it was um, kind of fun to run into the goddess on this occasion uh, during my vacation, especially the Celtic goddess Maeve. Um, I also like Maeve because she just uh, going back to the the story of the queen, I'm sorry, going back to the story of the goddess Maeve, just a fascinating story there, which um, she was very um, independent and she took husbands of her own accord um, a lot of modern feminists have really taken a liking to this sovereignty goddess because she is very independent. She's she she knows her place and she'll put others in her place and she's not afraid to stand up for what she wants, regardless if it um, causes strife or discord with her enemies. You know, she doesn't. That's not that's not of concern for her. She's all about taking care of herself and her people. Um, she is the goddess of war, sex, death, money, and intoxication. <laughs> but her essence is really, truly, it's it's very independent and strong. And so I was just thrilled to um, stumble upon that. But there is a very strong connection to the land, I think, even in modern time. As an outsider looking in, it's interesting to see how this connection really permeates every bit of the Irish culture in ways that I don't even think they are conscious of. I love it. I think it's really fascinating. Um, and like I said, I also believe it's why, you know, the magic is still alive. Like, again, because without story, there's no meaning. And 
the human brain craves that meaning so much that in the absence of the story, it's going to, it's going to construct meaning in its own way. But you know, that's how, that's how we come up with our beliefs. But anyway, I digress. I digress. Um, So really in this episode, what I want to talk about is a story, another story that I discovered or heard while we were away. Um, This was really cool. This time, this trip over, we got to go to Northern Ireland, which um, is ruled by the United Kingdom or Great Britain. So technically, I was in two different countries this time, and it was really awesome. Uh, Driving from Dublin on up into the northern counties, uh, County Antrim, where Giant's Causeway is, which is was our final destination on this particular trip. Um, it was uh, really cool to drive through the countryside. Some of the most beautiful scenery I have ever seen. Uh, very green, lush, gorgeous. All the yellow flowers in bloom right now. Um, Ireland is a lot of um, Irish myth have yellow flowers that figure prominently prominently into the symbolism of the story. So that was kind of cool to see that as we drove across. We happened upon um, a lot of uh, sets for the Game of Thrones on that coastal driveway back down south. But anyway, through the land we drove. We ended up at the Giant's Causeway, and it was really cool to see this natural structure. If you're unfamiliar with Giant's Causeway, what it is is a point on the very northern tip of Northern Ireland, um, which millions of years ago was volcanic. uh, There was some volcanic activity there, which caused the basalt rocks to rise up in such a way that it looks like stair steps. And these stones are hexagonal in shape. And um, they're very, very large. It's just a beautiful, beautiful place. And we got to go out and walk on these stones, which lead down into the um, Irish Sea. It was just gorgeous being in that fresh air, smelling the ocean, the salty, breezy air, uh, the lush, lush greenery, the yellow flowers, the the waves crashing and the clouds coming in. Oh God, it was so beautiful. But what's really cool about this place is that um, you get a a little pre-recorded, like a, I don't know what it's called. It's like a tape recorder, but it's not a tape recorder. It's just this little guide, an electronic guide that tells you the stories of the land. And there were many um, stories about how this, Giant's Causeway figured into Irish Celtic mythology. So it goes that the Giant's Causeway was created by Finn McCool, who was taunting a giant from across the way in Scotland to come over and and fight with him. But um, our guide shared that story with us, and he also shared with us the story of Oisin, who was Finn McCool's son. So Oshin and his father, Finn McCool, were hunting one day near the Giant's Causeway, I believe, um, when they saw a magnificent white horse come galloping towards them. A beautiful young girl with flowing golden hair was on this horse's back. And as she came closer to them, Oshin was just stunned by her beauty and 
she was stunned with his charm and good looks as well. And she introduced herself. She says, I am Neve Sin Or. I've come from Tirnanog to take you, Oshin, back with me so that you can become my husband. Neve described the wonders of Tirnanog, the land of eternal youth, and promised that Oshin would have countless cattle and sheep and warriors to command and the gift of eternal youth. And hearing of such wonderful things, Oshin totally agreed to go with Neve. Got on the horse and rode off with her, galloping away across the land and the sea, and not stopping until they arrived at the golden place of Tirnanog. The king and the queen, Neve's parents, welcomed Oshin as their future son-in-law. Everyone in that wonderful land was young and strong, and Oshin marveled at everything he saw. Three months had passed, however. And he started to miss his father and his friends back in Ireland. So Neve said, go ahead, go. But I warn you that on no account should you set your foot on Ireland's soil. When he got back to Ireland, Asheen was distressed to find there was no trace of his father or friends. The great fortresses of the Fianna, that is Finn McCool's tribe were no more than mounds of earth and he didn't understand that each month that he spent in Tirnanog actually was equated to a hundred years in Ireland so this meant that in reality it was 300 years since he had left his native land so one day while riding through the western counties of Ireland he saw some men struggling to lift a heavy rock They seemed so small and so weak, and he could see that they were having a hard time, so he offered to help, and he leaned down from his horse to grip the rock, but the saddle strap broke and gave way, and Oshin fell to the ground. The horse galloped away and disappeared, and Oshin turned into an old, old man right in front of these two gentlemen who were trying to lift the rock. They took him to St. Patrick, who stayed with Oshin through his last days, cared for him, and converted him to Christianity. As, it's, as it says, Oshin never saw Tirnanog nor Neve again, but lived the rest of his life in Ireland, a sad and lonely old man. And so I heard this story, okay, and I thought, oh my gosh, that is the saddest thing I have ever heard. And the way that our electronic guide told the story, it was that this was to describe the end of the fairies, the end of the fae in Ireland and the conversion of the land to Christianity. And so the subsequent, what happened was that the fae went underground, which is why when Oshin went back to Ireland, all he saw were mounds where his tribes had been before. But for me, it really struck a different chord in my heart that story. I like the moral of the story. I like how it describes, again, the lay of the land. But what I really took away from this message is that the ascension is happening, people. (laughs) I know that seems like kind of a, a left of center statement, but think about it. What 
what happened here was that Ashin was enamored with Neve, the goddess of the under the of the other world, and he went off with her. He fell in love with her. He fell in love with her land and everything about her and their life together. But he still missed his time and his friends back at home. And so when he came back from the other realms to visit, he discovered that everything had changed. The whole world had gone on around him. Everything had changed. And he was sad because he didn't get to experience it in its due time. And so I really took this as a message of um, really enjoying where you are, wherever it is that you are. Wherever you go, there you are, right? So we can visit other realms and we can travel far and wide to get away from what it is or where it is that we are right now. But the lesson here is to not miss out on the chance to live this life in this dimension and the chance to fully experience all that we are capable of doing and and experiencing in this lifetime. Because sometimes if we spend too much time in the airy realms or thoughts or dreams of a far-off land or a far-off place, um, we lose out on what it means to really feel into the physicality of this experience in the here and now. And it's okay to have dreams and it's okay to travel. It's okay to 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 want to go and visit other places and experience other things. But I think it's a cautionary tale of discovering how important it is to fall in love with the world in which you live. You are the creator of your reality. And you can do so much with what you have. I mean, just recognizing your own limitations, the physical limitations, doesn't mean that it's a recognition of of limits. It just means this is what you have to work with. And you can do the best with what you have wherever you are. And so it's a cautionary tale to really create the best experience for yourself wherever you are. And the old saying, wherever you go, there you are, it's a saying that means it doesn't matter what you try to run with or run away from because literally you bring it with you wherever you go. So you may as well stop and unpack your baggage and enjoy the place where you are. So anyhow, it was an interesting story. It was an interesting experience. It was an interesting awareness or awakening I guess Um, I feel like sometimes we get so caught up in the fairy tales and the mythology and that includes us in our modern day when we talk about um, the ascension and it is happening it's just happening in ways that are true for us in this physical experience Um, for it, it is unfolding every single day each and every day it's not about some trip to far off lands or whatever is about it's about knowing who you are, where you are, and falling in love with your experience. So anyway, 
it was great. It was a good time. We had a really good time up north in Northern Ireland. We had a really good 13 glorious days away. I have so many more stories to share with you. I had an opportunity while we were there, I had an opportunity to do some crystal gridding and um, explore some, some forested areas over by the river Shannon. And it was, it was just a really magical trip um, for a lot of different reasons this time, but I really enjoyed the hospitality as usual. And learning some new stories and discovering just how rich and thick that Irish culture is. Just want to slather it all over, <laughs> like eat it up like frosting or something. Anyway, so um I hope that I hope that this has enlightened you as well in terms of um travel tips quote-unquote, ha, ha, ha. But I'm just going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of the Goddess Diaries Radio. And if you have any comments or questions or anything that you would like to say about this episode, I would love to hear what you've got for me. Just send it on over to dawn at thegoddessdiaries.org and let me know what you think. And I just want to say thank you again for listening, for tuning in and checking out the message and I hope that you claim your free your three free goddess gifts when you sign up for the newsletter back at my blog www.thegoddessdiaries.org and thanks again so much for leaving a rating for the show because every time you rate the show um it sends those magical algorithms out into the the internet universe and it lets others know about us and I think it's really important that the goddess story is shared far and wide so thanks so much I really appreciate you guys I really appreciate you for tuning in and until next time I love you to the moon and back thanks so much bye welcome to the goddess 